0: In today's podcast, Ryan and I pick up where we left off from a previous podcast, we get right into the financial construct, programming, deprogramming, spreadsheets, and numbers. We had fun. Hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. All right. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. I'm here with my favorite co-host, Ryan Griggs.
1: The only co-host. Yeah, the only
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You want to redo that one. Good to see you. Good to okay. talk to you. No, we'll keep going.
0: Why are you stopping? No. It's... Well, because I don't want to you, know, you know throw you a curveball like that.
1: I'm. I was prepared. Oh well, <laughs> I was prepared.
0: Okay, really. Thanks. We're uh, glad you're here. We're excited that you're here, and we're excited to be here. And and uh,
1: yeah, and today's subject is programming and deprogramming. Comes all of a sudden, I feel like fancy title. Later, you're going to talk about the CIA or something they could have a part in it that could be <laughs> <laughs> that could be happening the deep state <laughs> yeah. something's got to account for this nonsense out there yeah well um, what do you mean by programming and deprogramming well everybody has almost everybody 98% of people out there maybe more have one sort of understanding about how someone's financial life should look over you know throughout the years over the decades mm-hmm. And it's it, they all come in one form or another, and you can tinker around the edges, in you know this or that product, this or that retirement plan, whatever. But generally speaking, the idea is to go to school, work hard, get good grades, graduate, get a job, go work for some corporation. And this is kind of dying now, right? You might work for more than one corporation, right? Uh, but you're going to work for a corporation or corporations. And nothing against them. You're going to work for somebody. You're going to be an employee. Is the idea. You're going to be a have a job, work for somebody else, single income, dependent upon their value production, but we won't get too much into that. Yeah, have you thought about this much? A little bit. And <laughs> and then you're, at some point you're going to buy a house, and of course in order to buy a house or a home or a condo or whatever, you're going to get a mortgage. That mortgage is going to come from a bank. Uh, eventually you'll pay it off unless you get foreclosed on in the middle of a financial crisis or something. And <laughs> finally one day you'll retire, and hopefully you're lucky enough not to retire – around one of those major financial crises that wipes out half of your retirement portfolio. Uh, you'll live off that, maybe off your kids and, uh, die poor. So that's kind of the (laughs) various versions, a little embellished, but that's kind of the, can't we just like
0: believe everything's going to be okay and good?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I do, I think that, you know, the war has been won, but, um, insofar as this life is concerned and yeah. the financial hurdles we face uh, no so we''re
0: we're, we're gonna kind of uh, you know I mean you're getting kind of narrowed into the programming that, that exists in you know the financial world mainly and, mm-hmm. and, and and as money and finances relate to us as individuals and family members but and I'm ready to go but it is a, it, the programming. Is really a lot broader. We're Much, just yeah. kind of talking about finances and money, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, oh my god, the conspiracy theorist, for example. You know that I don't even remember when that term was coined, and maybe in the '60s, whatever probably, the
1: CIA people came up with it. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah. and and uh, and I'm, you know, this is off. There's nothing notated here about conspiracy theories. I'm
1: just saying. You're the one harping on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, not that I've ever been accused of that right, or accused right? other people of that. I'm just using that as an example, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I probably shouldn't go down that trail. But
1: well, look, there's a reason yeah. we, we, we are focusing on finance. And there's a reason we are ultimately practitioners of IBC is that that's what the individual can control we can get into the programming that goes on in the media and politics, monetary policy, foreign policy, you name it. Ain't a, damn thing you can do about any of that no
0: but we can recognize that that programming exists across every area of our life true radio tv print and it has for generations i mean not a particular programming that we're all being programmed for a particular thing but as a society i believe that we are being programmed to act a certain way And, and especially when it comes to our money that that programming does exist what you hear on the radio over and over and over what you see in print what you see and listen to on tv it's there's a narrative and you've got to almost wonder who benefits from that narrative because it isn't you and me dying broke you know or watching our money go up and down or abdicating our responsibility yeah so
1: Yeah. I think some people could push back like, Oh, programming like, it's so conspiratorial. No, but you mentioned the the right word. There is, is a narrative. There's a predominant narrative out there about how people should manage their money, about how they should manage their labor time, about the, the way they should spend their time really when it comes down to it. I mean, that's all employment is a particular way to spend your time in order to uh, earn some money. Um, So there is a narrative out there. And I think if you don't like programming, if you don't like that word, you know, narrative and everybody knows that. My gosh, turn on the news. right? Okay. So I would
0: add constructed narrative.
1: Uh, Constructed. Absolutely. It is. And, and like you said, certain people benefit and others don't, um, which is the majority of us. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, the subject here is a, is more broad than we would normally, what we would normally talk about, you know, like the mechanics of IBC or something like that. But, uh, I mean what i want to challenge is conventional thinking as it as it pertains to finance and in two respects come to mind quickly is one how life insurance is typically treated in that narrative Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then also what people generally uh desire what they want what they look for when going about their purchases of financial assets right be they retirement be they retirement assets, uh, like tax qualified plans, this kind of thing, or just a general uh, advisory services. Right when it comes to managing their money, and that is the sex appeal. It's the the nice offices, the nice cars, the good looking uh, person selling the stuff. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa! What are you? Yeah, I'm not talking about. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Uh, but it's it the the big names, the big brands, uh, the the nice marketing campaigns you know I think and I think all that just provides a low information security blanket you know you feel safe because the company's got the big name and they've spend, all sorts of your money on marketing, um, and I, I think there's a certain appeal about it. But that's all part of the narrative, uh, and life insurance has a certain place in it. And then the rest of the of the rest of the plan, the rest of the financial plan, has another place in it. And all of it is part of a a failing narrative. I mean, we're not mad at programming because it's programming. I mean, there's that too. But at the end of the day, the program doesn't work. <laughs> It just doesn't work for who right for the yeah <laughs> for you dude. it doesn't work for you maybe the but the folks selling it you know the uh, money managers and the uh, financial entertainers uh, out there um uh, who do can, can i say here really, really well,
0: well i would like to interject here uh because we we're talking about the underlying you know blanket of safety feelings warm and fuzzy and um and i, I might have mentioned it to you previously i know i've talked to Uh, several people but watching tv i don't watch much tv at all but every now and then you know you're walking by the tv and you can't help but be captured by you know a commercial well i love this it's some one of the big banks and there's a you know young good-looking gq guy walking into a like an internet cafe and they're talking about online banking and in the background there's a big stodgy uh you know romanesque bank facade like san francisco or greece or you know mm-hmm. and it fades away and like or even kind of explodes like that's the old way to bank you know where mm. that that image of big columns and big strong uh-huh. safety and that's being blown away and he's walking into an internet cafe like we're all online everything's online that's old banking this is new banking oh, i see where you're and going and yeah. Uh, If you don't think that in a controlled narrative and constructed, um, Uh not that they couldn't, the banking, the central banks are masters at money manipulation, right? That's their job. That's their (laughs) their whole job description. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not, not defined by Congress, you know, I mean, their job description is to, you know, Okay, that they can't stable do stable
1: money and no unemployment. Uh, yeah. unemployment
0: yeah, yeah, I'm just saying that that narrative. I mean, it's a big visual and it's and it's a great you know uh, message that that's it's a, it's impressive the way they're conveying the message. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I'm looking at that and I get I'm an old guy. I'm like, oh my God, they can they can manipulate money at the speed of light right now. I mean, yeah, it's.
1: Faster, to have an algorithm do it.
0: I uh, no question, but it, you know, if I'm looking at everything is digital and you know electronic, I mean, then that further separate me from reality.
1: Yeah, and on, on the real money, on sound
0: the, money, real uh, assets is what I'm talking about.
1: Well, and on the practical level, it, it often comes with a separation of control. Right, I you mean. Know, especially if, if you're banking with the traditional bank you have no control
0: yeah i mean i don't want to go down there and withdraw anything from my safety deposit box i mean you can lock the front door but you can kick me off you can de-platform me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i mean mm-hmm.
1: well i have this like, conversation with with people who i don't know maybe they do something that's controversial or whatever you know they're in a line of business that's unpopular or whatever uh, like a family in the cannabis business, for example, back in California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, businesses that are legitimate businesses, you know, providing service, goods and services to the market, fully voluntary, not hurting anybody, right? Not forcing anybody to do anything, not killing anybody, mm-hmm. um, can often become, for unrelated reasons, political opponents. Mm-hmm. And it always seems to me that those people should be beating the doors down to get into infinite banking Mm -hmm. like why doesn't it also just so happens that they're usually a lot of cash flow and it's like oh my gosh what you could do with infinite with well-designed dividend paying whole life would be insane but you know that uh, it doesn't just apply to them over there right that that's a that's something that applies to everybody right? anybody could become uh you know what's it called there's a uh you know, like the, the the outcast or the
0: Oh yeah. The guy being shunned. The one yeah. being chuned. Yeah. Ostracized.
1: And I think part of it is separated. that oh that'll never happen to me. Oh that will an example. Right. Waterboarded. Go, oh that will not never happen to me. Or and it kind of goes in line with what you're saying about technology. You know, it's all sold on convenience and you know this is, you know part of the part of the new era of, of financial management. And it's, you know, like I said earlier, at the end of the day, it doesn't work. And people are going to figure that out here pretty quick. I mean, uh,
0: the financial construct uh doesn't work. Is that what you're saying?
1: Right, right. And it's been a while, you know, it's been over 10 years since we've had a major correction in the stock market and in conventional financial assets. And so I think people have uh, forgotten or... um, maybe they never even experienced because they were too young at the time to be working uh, what that what that does to people's financial situations. But that's ultimately what we're talking about. The the problems with that result from fractional reserve banking are why that fractional reserve banking is why this narrative of go to school, work hard, get a job, buy a house, get a mortgage, retire, won't work, can't work in the long run part of it yeah Yeah. fractional reserve banking
0: yep so it's it's kind of broad you know the uh programming deprogramming but if programming exists and we agree that it does in various forms to um, varying extents deprogramming i mean if programming exists deprogramming may be um desirable
1: Absolutely. All right.
0: Now, I got to, I mean, one thing that the infinite banking concept has done for me, and I'm not going to, you know, share my whole story or anything like that, but Ooh. um, after what, <laughs> <laughs> after it doesn't take very long to practicing the infinite banking concept legitimately, right, um, on purpose, mm-hmm. to to be um, separate from, or separated from, you know, this construct, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: this financial construct. It no
1: longer applies to you. Oh
0: my God, it's liberating, it's freeing, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it's like, well, if this is working, and you know, you're still operating in the constructed um, narrative, and you're being told that this is right or this is wrong, and you're doing the exact opposite of everything that you've been trained to do, told to do as a professional, as a consumer, and you're going upstream, you know, you're going against the grain, and, you know, looking over your shoulder, like waiting for the hammer, you know, what's wrong. Um, There comes a point in time that it becomes – it just becomes easier and easier Mm -hmm. to – To not pay attention to the noise Mm -hmm. because the narrative is freaking noise, Mm -hmm. right? And it's so freeing and so liberating. Yeah, you know, and it's almost like deprogramming.
1: It really is, you know, you the sort of the scales fall from your eyes kind of thing, right? Yeah, over a
0: period of time, it's like a it was a process for me. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I have a a client and also a good friend uh, who. One he, he has, has a one client one. I good have friend. one good friend, and more than that, more than one client. But th- this one happens to be the both. Uh, and he's got a kind of a comp. He's young, a little younger than me. Uh, significant amount of student loan debt, and so a complicated financial situation. And he's got a job making for where he's at good money, and but significant student loan debt, right? And needs a systematic strategy to get out of it and, of, and so we walk through the whole debt repayment thing which I'm not gonna go through because that's a subject for another time but went through the whole method of how to transfer debt from banks and the government to the life insurance company and then with through policy loans and then repay those policy loans over time and when all when all is said and done you're better off and you know to really walk through step by step took like 45 minutes or an hour or something and the first time we did it, once we got to the end, it was like a light bulb went off. It was like, Oh. Mm-hmm. All I need to do is go make money. And it's like, Yep. That is literally all you need to do. And then pay the premium. Sure. Make the money, pay the premium. Make and the then money, the pay loan the premium. And the pre- yeah. But
0: Well, I mean, don't you know, look, there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet.
1: That's fair. That, Repay your loans. Oh my God. Yeah. The So that part of that whole strategy of the debt repayment is to systematically repay policy loans. So I'm not saying that, but when it comes down to how do I sort of start the engine, you know, how do I propel this thing forward? You know, <clears throat> what it really comes down to is once the strategy is understood, once infinite banking is understood, once you know what's going on in a policy, once you understand the relationship between the cash value, the death benefit, your premiums and your other financial assets and investing, once you, once all of that is integrated into one singular way of thinking, right? Once you've put it all together in one That's understanding, scary singular thinking well. You
0: know what I mean? I do. Okay. <clears throat> I'm
1: jacking with him, you yeah. know, so. Okay, so Once you get how it all integrates, <laughs> <laughs> it dramatically, and this is what happened for him, it dramatically simplifies the whole financial oh my aspect. God. What a relief when that noise, doesn't it, doesn't,
0: you know, I'm not talking about good reggae music or country and western music or rap, whatever you like. Noise. I'm talking about noise. I mean, doesn't it just, not i mean doesn't it make you uncomfortable uh, if you're listening to noise for a long enough period of absolutely. time? absolutely and so when you can just step away like that young man from the noise it's like
1: that sincere legitimate relief yeah it's like oh this what this is what's going to happen all i need to do is go the policy is going to do what it's going to do the values are going to do what they're going to do all i need to go do is go to work provide a valuable good and service or go to my business, provide a valuable good and service, and just give it time. <laughs> do what you were gonna do anyway. Yeah.
0: Right, and con- but now control the cash flows, mm-hmm. where they're going to and coming from, mm-hmm. and, and, and then master the discipline, right. right? It's like, it's not magic.
1: And to really pin it down, what the conventional narrative is all about is making sure that you don't have control over your own capital. The whole idea is to get your money into the bank that you don't own in an account that you don't own in an amount that you have no guarantee for so that the underlying system, the commercial fractional reserve banking cartelized system can go out and lend money hand over fist that previously didn't exist in order to charge interest to other people and enrich the banking sector. That's the whole goal. And it all starts with separation of you from your from control over capital. Yes.
0: That's where it starts. And that's the narrative. That's the constructed narrative or the message of the narrative mm-hmm. is <clears throat> you're not able. You're not capable. You don't know enough. You don't know as much as they do. Right. Yep. So you need to abdicate your responsibility,
1: i.e. control. Yeah you need to give up control of your capital and i mean i get it you know people don't we're brought up and it's natural you reach a certain age okay time to get a checking account Uh, a little bit longer okay time to get a car well how are you going to pay for the car conventional lending a little bit further first job getting out of the first apartment going to buy a house how do you get mortgage well roll your sleeve up
0: let me see your number yeah (laughs) i mean your your credit score, you know, I mean, we've joked many times
1: in the past about,
0: oh, here, let me see my number. It should be tattooed on my arm.
1: Right, number you didn't ask for. Yeah, I was assigned. That you didn't sign up for, that oh, other people are judging you by anyway, yeah. got a file on you with their whole financial life. That's how they're going to determine whether or not to give you money that you need to do what you were going to do. It didn't exist. Right. Until you... And so it all begins with, support. and so infinite, you know, what's infinite banking's place in all of that? It is to attack the source, which is control of capital. It's how the individual can optimally form, accumulate, use, deploy their own capital. And if you do that, you can trace the effects through how it's going to affect your financing or whatever, how it's going to affect your debt repayments, how it's going to affect your relationship with investment and entrepreneurial opportunity. Like you can trace out the effects of what's going to happen as you make this transition into reclaiming control of capital. Well, how, how can I trace that out? I mean, we just. we got to talk through it. How much time you got? <coughs> uh, today, <or> <laughs> <laughs> Because it takes a while because part of the deprogramming is unwinding all of that built up, calcified, uh, previous understanding, that whole system of thought that you built up, that that you were conditioned under, that you were programmed to understand, that... You didn't know and, and the people telling you probably didn't know either because they only heard it from somebody else. They're just repeating what they heard and they did it. And in order for them to feel good about it, they're gonna tell you so you can do the same thing and everybody can feel good <laughs> in conformity. That's really what's going on. And there's no malice no in it. Well, and, yeah. I mean for most people there's not, right? I mean most people are good. Even the bankers. You know, I get beat up all the time back home in West Texas because I know local bankers and they're they don't have they don't know well, what's we're going not,
0: on. Yeah, we're not talking about the local banker. We're talking right. about big banks, cartelized. Sure, reserve, but banking that little system.
1: cohort yeah. of people is centered in South <coughs> Manhattan in the financial district or D.C., wherever they are. Uh, you know, they're not at your corner bank. They're not your neighbor. They're not yeah. the people at your chamber of commerce or whatever. Right. Uh, so they don't know. Point is, they don't know either. And m- more than likely, your parents didn't know and their parents didn't know. So no one's intending to uh confuse no one some are most people are not intending to confuse you or uh mystify you or put the you know put the cover the cover the or throw the veil over right they're you know if, if they knew about this they'd be paying as much premium as they could too but the way to get you know it begins with understanding that the problem is control over capital, and if you're willing to challenge previously received beliefs, then you can eventually get to a point where you would see how controlling capital can affect every aspect of your financial experience. At which it will. I mean, it just will.
0: Very good. Look, we're kind of kind of broad about programming, deprogramming. You know, there are a couple of ideas that I wanted to mention, you know, during mm-hmm. this conversation. And one one thing is, is, I mean, I've I've heard it my whole career. I've heard it my whole life is this idea of saving 10 percent. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that's yeah, programming. Yeah. I mean, you know, where where did that come from? You know, when I ask everyone, I often ask, you know, where did that wonder where that came from? Wonder where that came from the best. That um, I can determine it it may be biblical, you mm. know the ten percent tithe mm-hmm. right Well, and I, I mean I'm not a Bible scholar. I am a believer, right but um, there was much more going on than just a ten percent tithe mm. right and and so but I don't know where it came from. I'm just saying it may have come from sure. there and developed. but today, uh, if you're saving ten percent, you know good job, but it's not enough. Oh, no. All right, And if you buy into that paradigm, that constructed paradigm narrative that if you save 10 percent and you do it tax free or tax deferred and you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in the future is a God. fail. <laughs> OK, it's a fail is all I'm saying. And so um, what are you saying, James? I'm saying exactly what I just said saving 10% is not enough. Mm. you need to get your savings up you me all of us to 20 25 percent Now you and even, keep going oh yeah don't stop there no yeah. um, but and it's okay that that's a process too right right not so, gonna happen overnight right and now how can you do that? Well the same get the same dang way that uh, that the average all-American family is sending 35, 45, 50 percent of their income by volume right through their hands right so let's don't you know strain it gnats and swallow camels it is possible mm-hmm. okay but that's one you know kind of a constructed um idea that is yeah. dang near ingrained in us but there
1: should be a certain amount that you have to save Yeah, and some, 10 sounds some like percent. a round number yeah
0: uh, all right it was, so i mean that's just one and um, the other is, and I know you've done a lot of work on this, and if you don't know or you're unaware of the work that he has done or is doing, you know, I'd encourage you to um, look it up, track him down, you know, medium.com. they you know, his web address and on capital, the idea of uh, capital and opportunity. And I want to I say this, that, you know, in, in Nelson, he spoke of, many times in in various ways and we've discussed this that capital attracts opportunity Mm -hmm. all right okay well yeah that sounds pretty cool well the the predominant uh economic schools of thought have it wrong okay so yeah it sounds good and it sounds reasonable but um that's bass backwards than what wall street you know, how they operate Mm -hmm. and how the most schools of economic thought, you know, teach. And here's the example that that, um, I talk about quite often. Wall Street creates this opportunity, i.e. the latest, shiniest gadget product, right? It's it's cool. And, And of course they made money creating it, right? And I'm a capitalist, I have nothing against profits, okay? And then they sell it, this opportunity, right? This opportunity that we created is so good, it's going to attract capital. So I'm gonna take it to the market and make money selling it, and then I'm gonna make money managing it. And if I keep going, I'm gonna make money shorting it and crushing it, and then I'll make money repurchasing and repackaging and selling again. Mm-hmm. Okay, I digress a little, but this idea that I'm gonna create a product, Wall Street, and it's so good that I'm going to present it to the general public and it is going to, going to attract capital. It's, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You accumulate capital. Capital attracts opportunity. And that's, number one, it's true. And whenever you accumulate capital or have control over capital, you'll see that to be true as well. And I, and I, I think that could be a natural law.
1: Oh yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think that, okay, so opportunity is a fuzzy word, you know, what is it? And I think when Nelson speaks about capital attracting opportunity, both in becoming your own banker and in building a warehouse of wealth, I mean, it is as if, and I do think it is a metaphor. It is as if opportunity comes to you, right? He would, he used to say that opportunity hunts you down and that is the case, right? If if individuals know that you're sitting on 200 grand in liquid equity or whatever it is, 50, you know, however much your cash value is, however much capital you've accumulated, opportunity will come to you. And people, I've said this before, people with a lot of money know that that's the case. And so they don't tell people that they have a lot of money unless they've got an ego problem or they need to inform others of how great they are. <laughs> Most people who have genuinely, honestly, accumulated significant amount of financial resources keep that information to themselves for that very reason that other people are going to beat their door down Mm -hmm. trying to pitch them this or that product or this or that investment opportunity opportunity, right? So it's the exact reverse problem that most people have, which is, Oh my gosh, what do I do with my money? I got to pay somebody to go out there and find the opportunity in the market. Right. And that involves all sorts of, you got to pay the guy, then you got to pay all the hidden fees and everything. It's the reverse problem of what the, of the typical, consumer of financial advisory services has. Right. But I think though, that the idea that opportunity is out there, that it's a a objective thing, like you can find it like, Oh, there is an opportunity. I think fundamentally that's metaphorical. Opportunity only exists between your ears. It's up here, right? You perceive an individual perceives the, whatever the objective reality is of the situation, right? You might see a price of something here and you might think to yourself, Ooh, I could buy it there and sell it over here at a different price. Or, Oh, I could do X, Y, or Z with that particular parcel of real estate. Or I have an idea for a product. I think people would really like to buy or sell. And I kind of know how I would put it together and everything. The, all of that is in your mind. You don't that is not an objective thing you see in the world, right? Um, even even something like someone coming to you and saying, "Hey, you know, lend me a hundred grand. I'll pay you back a certain amount of money." Like, in order to understand that as an opportunity per se, you have to be able to calculate in your head, and this really gets into what I'm, what the, my research gets into. You've got to be able to understand in your mind that that's going to make you better off right just somebody saying here lend me this amount I'll pay you back this amount over time is not enough you've got to understand in your head that that's a good deal for you right and to make that perfectly clear you may only have access to money at 10 percent and someone's willing to uh, wants to borrow money from you to pay you back at eight percent okay, then that's not no longer a good deal, right? But the only reason the individual knew that is because they had to go through the, the process of understanding and judging how much that it cost them to get money and how much they could get if they invested with this particular person, right? So my point is that opportunity happens in the mind of the individual, right? And I think the reason that we perceive in the world that Capital attracts opportunity, quote unquote, in air quotes, is because the more capital you have, the more financial uh, value you can exercise control over. The greater the landscape of things you can do, right? If you're walking around a hundred grand flush, like you know, you can drop it on a week's notice, right? The 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 landscape of possibilities that you perceive is fundamentally different than the guy who's walking down with 50 bucks in his pocket and no other sure. liquid cash, yeah, yeah. right? I get that. And so it sounds kind of basic, but like <clears throat> I, thi- no. I think that's technically why it's the case that it, you have to build capital first in order to achieve some sort of opportunity. And that could be an investment opportunity, entrepreneurial opportunity, whatever, right? So that, that saying out there that it takes money to make money Mm -hmm. Is like almost true, but it, it really takes, it really takes capital in order to achieve or attain an opportunity that will then generate a return. I mean, it's, so it's not a, it's not just that simple. Like if you have, and by the way, the only, all you have to do in order to build sufficient capital is make more than you spend. <laughs> and I don't care what your job is or how much money you make. All you got to do is make more than you spend. If you make more than you spend, then you can build capital, right? In fact, you already are, so it's probably in an inferior asset, maybe cash or a bank <laughs> account or whatever, but you can optimally build capital. And if as you do that, mm-hmm. y- your understanding day-to-day walking around about, you know, your attitude towards potential opportunity, will change and it'll transform as how much as, as the as your level of control over capital increases. So I think that's really what's going on there. I mean it's it kind of complicated and might sound a little technical or academic or whatever, but no, I, I think did. that's a genuine
0: it sounded very academic. But it's
1: genuine. It is I but I think that's literally what's going on. <clears throat> I don't know how else to say it, but I think that's and. The reason I think that's important is because, yeah, most economists, I mean, that's just not the idea that opportunity is out there sounds so plausible. It's like, well, yeah, you know, think of the land of opportunity, for example, you know, America, the land of opportunity. Sure. Yeah, I don't think that's what happened. Like, I don't think people came here because it was the land of opportunity per se. Maybe they perceived it as such. And A lot they were, people
0: came over as slaves
1: right well you okay i'm just saying it's the the whole i I think what or or they were sent
0: by you know i mean i'm just i'm just interjecting yeah 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 yeah. yeah. okay conspiracy (laughs) theorists okay but what what really happens no no, there there really was a potato famine caused by the english i'm
1: kidding (laughs) (laughs) i'm irish what what really what really goes down is that individuals perceive that somewhere else they will have greater security in in the fruits of their labor and keeping what they own. And that is the avenue to prosperity. That's what can allow them to build a better life. And so you can think of all that and then say, therefore that's the land of opportunity, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's go over Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But that, and, and it might just sound like, okay, well, duh, Ryan, that's what we're talking about. All right. Well, then why aren't you building capital? You know, you know, what's how much premium you're paying? What's your cash value right now, yeah. right? Because it's obviously not translating. It, if you go into the financial world, that that distinction is totally lost. And the idea is to do the reverse. Don't build capital. Mm-hmm. Reduce your control over capital. You can have a little pitiful emergency fund, right? But by the way, don't use it. Right. You only use it in an emergency. right? So the place for capital and conventional financial advice isn't something that you're not supposed to use in the first place, right? which is stupid because capital is supposed to be used. It's what makes capital. Capital is the intention to use it. right? But, so you, but you're allowed to accumulate a little emergency fund, and then you can't spend the rest of your money fast enough. Right. Either you're Dave Ramsey and you should pay cash for everything, or, or you're anybody else out there and you should depend upon the conventional financial world to take care and, like you said, abdicate your responsibility so they can take care of it for you, whether it's your mortgage, whether it's the government to put your kids through school, right? Indoctrination camps, whatever. So that it's like- <laughs> Conspiracy
0: theory. Yeah, much.
1: it's like, well, maybe maybe everything I said earlier like seems obvious and it's like, okay, maybe it does. But then why over here in the financial world is accumulating capital in the optimal fashion not the, the dominant priority, right it really should be because somebody's making money yeah with the
0: constructed narrative
1: well and i really don't think anybody's ever really i mean i you know nelson used to say that life insurance companies don't understand what they have don't even know what they're working with because they didn't come up with infinite banking mm-hmm. um and i think it's true i don't i just don't think they know i don't i think it has to be proven logically qualitatively linguistically i don't, now, I'm not saying you have to do it with math, but I think it's gotta be explained to the world of finance, to the consumer of financial services and all that, that that this is the case. That we don't we don't understand the nature of capital one. People don't even have a definition of capital. You ask ten people what the definition of capital is, you get twenty answers, right? So one, we don't have that conceptual understanding, but two, we don't integrate it with how to perform either on the consumption end when we're going to pay for stuff or the investment end. So you brought up capital. You know I could talk forever, so it's...
0: No, it falls right underneath the programming and deprogramming. You know, kind of...
1: Uh, Absolutely. It's, it is uh, it is the key. Capital? Yes. It is the
0: key. It is the key. I agree. I think, you know, as you're going through your um, intellectual explanation, which I dearly love, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe some of these listeners or viewers um haven't listened to us previously or maybe they missed a couple of podcasts i don't know shame on you yeah you should not miss (laughs) it. this goes back if you i would encourage you to look at the five-part book review series that ryan and i did on uh, nelson's first book becoming your own banker and and really the uh, that going through that series brought a little clarity to what this podcast would ultimately look like.
1: That's the source, yeah.
0: Because of what you don't see um, in that five part series, you know, uh, it was, I don't know, it was a laborious labor of love. Okay, that was a lot of work going into that. Um, so there was a lot of downtime or off camera time, not not downtime. A lot of you know shots or filming that didn't make it on the video. And and that was really the genesis of this podcast because mm-hmm. you know he's young, I'm older, he's pasty white but getting a little darker. That's good. I'm not. I've got great um, sun. He's academic. I'm not. You know he speaks academic. It's so funny.
1: If you talk to other academics, <laughs> they're like Ryan. Oh, that ideologue, bomb thrower. But I come over here and then I'm the academic. It's not,
0: <laughs> so I can't win anywhere. I've just uh, I just want to add. I mean, thanks for the. You know the allowance to take that side note but i think as you're building capital right that we should all be doing there's no question that you gain experience right unique to building capital in you and the method that you're doing that and then therefore your experience um absolutely affects your perception because you know yes. you were mentioning you know opportunity is perception and no question about that, no question, because what it takes to build capital, deliver a product, a service, or your, your, your manual labor, what it, however that is, where you're digging ditches or writing books, whatever it is, your manual labor, you know, um, you gain unique experience. We all have a unique experience. And so what I'm saying is what, what you experience as you build capital gives you the information, that you're going to use to determine what an opportunity is and without that capital you're not going to have the experience or the
1: vision opportunities don't exist without capital it's just a fantasy if it's not if you don't have the capital in order to monetize what you perceive to be an opportunity it's not an opportunity well it's what if, what if someone
0: there. has capital and you don't the opportunity uh that is perceived appears between them, one can't see it because they don't have capital and the other can because they do have capital. Did the opportunity exist without the capital?
1: what <laughs> i mean so yeah okay if someone if someone has an idea and this happens all the time right this is why the uh angel investor community exists venture capital all that that's why this all exists cuz you got a bunch of people who are entrepreneurially minded like americans tend to be relative to populations of other countries and they've got these ideas, but you know the entire like sh- Shark Tank. It's epitomized in the Shark show Tank. Shark Tank. It's people with capital and people without capital. Right. And the people without capital go to the people with the capital in order to monetize what they're offering.
0: Did the opportunity exist before they hit the floor in front of all the sharks?
1: In the mind of the of, of the entrepreneur, who yeah. And so you know, like Mises says that Ludwig von Mises, Austrian economist, you know, in order to act, you've got to perceive a path forward. You have to you have to see in your mind a, a better uh, a better state of affairs that could exist if you took some action, mm-hmm. right? That's a necessary <laughs> component of of all human action, right? And so that criteria may be fulfilled. But if you don't have the means in order to achieve that criteria, then you'll never embark upon that course of action. You'll never uh, go about the process of bringing that opportunity that's in your mind into reality, right? You literally have to finance opportunity into existence. Yep. It's got to be paid for. And if you're not paying for it, someone else will. And like Nelson says, he who has the gold makes the rules. Right. Whoever's someone,
0: controlling that banking function is getting paid.
1: Absolutely. And they're, they're, de- they're the ones determining <coughs> the rules. ultimately whether you get the money. Mm-hmm. So they're determining how it's going to be used. Fundamentally, mm-hmm. they're determining when it's going to be paid back, how it's going to be paid back and how much you're going to p- be paid back. Mm-hmm. And more than likely, they're determining who owns whatever it is you're going to go create. My God, they can shape the opportunity is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Oh, uh, it's one more. Absolutely. Yeah. It it all starts with the capital and I mean that that's fundamentally by the way, what a capitalist is someone who advances capital fundamentally Mm. when people are practicing infinite banking, they're just becoming a capitalist in the optimal fashion. All right. I've, I beat that stuff to death. Well, what does (laughs) all that have to do with programming. Look, that's the way out. What do you mean? That's the way out? out. What do you mean? That's the way out. Putting yourself in control of capital there's a way out of of the narrative of yes. the programming of right. everything that you're expected to do that everybody else is expected to do it's it's how you transition it's so many things it's how you transition from an employee to an employer if that's what you want to do it's how you <clears throat> start your own business. It's how you uh, finance transitions between one form of employment to another. Uh, It's how you take care of unexpected negative things that could come up medical expenses, you know, death in the family, any sort of tragedy. Uh, It's how you take advantage of positive uh, opportunities that you see arise. Uh, It's, it's, it's the cornerstone of a truly profitable financial strategy. I was speaking of Shark Tank. I was on LinkedIn the other day scrolling wasting my time and Barbara, I think her name is, I don't know her last name, but she's one of the sharks on Shark Tank. Yeah. And she said that over the last 10 years that she's been investing in businesses, she's invested in maybe 70 companies. And 20 of them failed. And she said, "You know the reason? Cash flow." Mm-hmm. They didn't have enough money from the time they needed it to the time the receivables were coming in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and on some level that's true. Like, yeah, it'd be better if the cash flow was coming in the whole time, but really, what those in, what those companies lacked was capital. Had they the capital under their own c- control, they could have survived the time where they didn't have the cash flow, and that is, it all comes back to capital. Is my point? It's how it's how companies. You could so you could do everything I said earlier. You could. Finance a transition between one form of employment to another, start your own company, whatever. You can also make it through the bad times when cash flow is less than you might like it to be. Didn't know a question. I mean, I'm glad
0: you brought that up because you get in the world of business, as we all know, you know, it's cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And and when you get into the real estate world, there's almost there's lots of different perspectives that are shared and promoted. And and one has been where cash flow is better than cash or assets. You know, would you rather have the asset or, or the cash, cash flow? flow? Um, well, personally, I like to have both, but I want to control the access to capital and the banking function. Absolutely. I mean, and then, of course.
1: And it, if you take care of that, by the way, you can have both.
0: Oh, my gosh, yes. Exactly. You can create the cash flow. Yes. <laughs> so uh, thanks for bringing that up. You know, I... I uh, of course, my daughter. She's going to be twelve this year. But you we said uh, like
1: a question. Are you sure? Do you have certainty about that? You- <laughs> <laughs> when you have more than one child, and it's
0: like you know, it's, you're. Uh, but we we love Shark Tank, you know. And I found it, out a couple. It, it, yeah, it's a cool show. I found out a couple of years ago that um, young ladies, little girls between like nine and twelve, was the fastest growing segment of their audience. No kidding. No kidding. And I'm like, God bless America, we're gonna be just fine.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So it should all be infinite banking. Okay,
0: what else what else you want to cover here on the uh programming and deprogramming? I mean, we've kinda got a long time and that got a lot good, broader yeah. than than I uh, kind of
1: Yeah, no, I think it's all I think it's good. Yeah. I'm happy.
0: Okay, perfect. We hope you're happy too. All right.
1: See you next time. Goodbye.